All right, uh, welcome everyone. This is a domain query uh, request, a domain query, the great dictator. And it comes via a request from a longtime reader in front of the site, Randall E6, who provided a, some <laughs> quite gratuitously hilarious videos and somewhat disturbing ones, as you know, usual. I mean, flash gets being what it is, uh, for the lost great Monday Dact browser killer. And um, his, his question goes as follows. So uh, he had a request for me and he said, um, you know, could you answer this question? And uh, the, the question is, periods of extreme leftism and subversion, at least in Europe in parentheses, have previously heralded the rise of such figures as Hitler, Mussolini and Franco. Given that the USA is currently undergoing leftism far worse than anything Germany, Italy or Spain went through, where exactly is our dictator? And are we going to be unlucky and get a Hitler? Or lucky and get a Franco? And then in parentheses, or just be stuck with Mussolini, who, to be fair, wasn't initially an idiot. Um, that's the end of the question. So, uh, with, to the point about Mussolini, he more or less wasn't an idiot. Um, up until the invasion of Ethiopia, which was hilarious. There's a reason why there's no joke about Italian tanks. How many gears does an Italian tank have? Ten. One forward and nine reverse. And the Abyssinian War is actually where that joke comes from. I mean, you can adapt it just as easily to the, the French, um, though not very accurately, because the French actually know how to fight. I mean, the, the whole World War II mass surrender thing, that's... Uh, that's a meme, but the reality is that the French had more tanks and better tanks than the Germans did. They positioned them incorrectly and they just were not prepared for German tactics and uh, operations and strategy during the uh, Second World War. So there are really two, maybe three parts to this question. The first is about um, where the dictator is and second is what kind of dictator is the United States going to get and uh, there's a third part in there sort of implied as to where the United States stands in the schedule of things so to get an idea of what's going on you have to turn back to the usual cycle of government and that goes all the way back you know more than 2,000 years to Cicero uh, de Republica, uh, in on you know on government or on on um, on essentially I'm I'm translating very poorly and I apologize for that but De Republica because I don't know Latin and I'm not as smart as our beloved and dreaded Supreme Dark Lord peace be unto him uh, yeah on the Commonwealth uh, so not on the government on the Commonwealth specifically so uh, Cicero said that. The cycle of governance follows three you know, distinct phases, and they kind of come one after another in an endless cycle. The first being the rule by one, so a tyrant or a dictator or a king or a monarch. It doesn't always have to be a bad thing. I mean, there are plenty of examples of very good kings throughout human history, kings who were... Uh, careful, considerate, really tried hard not to molest their citizens, and there are lots of examples of terrible kings. Uh, king Olaf the Quiet of um, 
Norway, I think it was. Uh, if not Norway, then Sweden. But basically, the uh, Harald Hadrada's son, who succeeded him after he died, um, at just before the battle, uh, well, at the Battle of Stamford Bridge, actually, uh, just before the Battle of Hastings, as a matter of fact, uh, in 1066. So the, his son, Olaf the Quiet, uh, just ruled for 20 years, provided his people with peace and plenty, and is completely forgotten to history as a result. And then you have uh, tyrants, pretty much like Louis XIV, who ruled for 70 years and left his country bankrupt uh, in a hyperinflationary state and uh, is severely crippled by debt and war and so on and so forth. So then that typically is followed by rule by uh, the few, oligarchy, the aristocracy. And there are, again, examples of that in history, not very good ones either, because oligarchic rule always goes very badly. It's all of, it's the worst possible state out of the three in many ways. I mean, it, I am avowedly anti-democrat, uh, anti-democratic, um, but oligarchy is in many ways just a terrible, terrible state of things. Uh, and that is kind of what you found in Russia actually, after the fall of the Soviet Union, because essentially a bunch of Jews ran the country, uh, ran all of Russia, and ran it straight into the ground. They raped the Russian people uh, in the process. And then you have, finally, ruled by the many, the mob stage, the democracy stage, the, which is literally what democracy means. Now, Randall knows all this, Randall E6, that's not his real name, Randall is not his real name. Uh, Randall E6 is his full moniker. Uh, but I'm just going to refer to him as Randall for short because it's easier. And uh, Randall knows this. Um, the question he's asking is, where are we in this stage? And for that, you have to look back at the Roman Republic uh, and how it collapsed into the Roman Empire. See, people think that when Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon, this was um, sort of a, a sudden thing. It was like a sudden transition from Republican ideals into imperial iron fist, and it was nothing of the sort. The reality is that the Roman Republic had been deteriorating and fraying for uh, the better part of 150 years. And there were a number of attempts by many people to try to force it into something more reasonable. Indeed, the Roman Republic was a great example of rule by the few, which actually sort of worked for a very long time. Rome made it very clear for centuries that it would refuse to be ruled by a king. The entire Roman constitution was a refusal to have one king-like figure. The, the, the motivation behind the Senate was to have the patricians, the, the great noble houses that made up Rome, and really, you know, back in the like 8th century BC when all this started, they weren't really noble houses. They were just powerful tribes that came together, you know, each tribe living on a hill, one of the seven hills of Rome. And they came together and formed a confederation, and that became Rome. And over the centuries, they became more and more entrenched in their power and their wealth, and they evolved into a landed aristocracy, which ran Rome into the ground. Uh, they, in, they, they existed to enrich themselves through the patrician system. They 
ignored the desires and the needs and the wants of the people of Rome, and the result was a repeated backlash, uh, you know, several waves of backlash. The Gracchus brothers were an attempt to restore power to the people of Rome, and the Gracchi failed. They were driven out. I think they were executed. I'm not I'm not good with um, Republican history, by the way, uh, unfortunately. Sulla, the tyrant, the dictator, was the next attempt. Uh, and the Marian reforms were an attempt to reform the army, which succeeded, by the way. I mean, Marius was a great general. Uh, the, he succeeded in reforming the army, but at the cost of decreasing the army, radically decreasing the army's loyalty to Rome, and increasing it to the commanding general. And Caesar was the apotheosis of this movement. Uh, Sulla was the attempt to wrench it back into tyranny. Caesar was the success of that movement back towards tyranny. But here's the funny thing. Caesar was very much a man of people. Really, he was. He was, a, he was considered a deal-maker and a very charismatic, very powerful figure, but he... His entire political and personal platform relied upon the love that the people had for him because he was all about bread and circuses, giving away free shit to people. That's, I mean, literally, you know, let's not be charitable about it. That's exactly what he did uh, with his uh, various, you know, uh, public land offerings and, and bread giveaways and such. So the point of all of this is that where is America now? Well, America is in a very awkward phase because there's not really... Not, there's not really any um, equivalent, historically speaking, to what America's going through right now. There are approximations, but there's nothing anywhere close to equivalent to this level of madness, degeneracy, stupidity, public uh, villainy that you see in America. I mean, there's, I've never seen a society in 20 years of studying history more than that where the gulf between the governed and the governor is so huge. I've never seen this before. I haven't seen it in Rome, whether it's the Roman Republic or the Roman Empire or the Western, you know, the, the, the uh, Byzantine Empire, uh, or any, well, maybe some of the Islamic caliphates, but, you know, Islam was always just a degenerate system to begin with, so it's sort of disgusting by design. Um, but in whether it's China, imperial China, uh, imperial Japan, uh, feudal Japan, I've you know uh, what little I know of Indian history, which is very little, uh, extremely little actually, and uh, South America, I've never seen this in any civilization I've studied. Uh, so we're dealing with a situation where we don't have an exact analogy. Now, the question is, where are we going to find? You know, who is the tyrant? I don't have a good answer to that. Because I don't see any one figure on the left or the right in America who could perform that function. Uh, I do. Here's what I think is going to happen. Uh, I think what's going to happen is secession outright. And I think that the Democratic Party has gotten so corrupt and so evil and so desperate to hold on to power that it will quite happily engineer a situation where it will put its version of Lincoln in power. I mean, 
It's very clear that the Democrats will never allow a Republican uh, president again. I mean, certainly no one of a Trump caliber, no one of a DeSantis caliber, will ever be allowed by the Democrats to win office legitimately. It's not going to happen. So what could happen? Well, that would result, so, you know, looking ahead to 2024, whether Trump runs or not, and there's open questions about it, Trump was undone in his first term by his unwillingness to take very harsh measures when necessary. He wasn't willing to be the executioner, the butcher that he needed to be. And there's a very good interview by Colonel Douglas McGregor from uh, yesterday, well, a few days ago, actually, in which he said that Trump is actually personally one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And I believe him. I absolutely believe him. I I, I uh, yield to no one in my view that President Trump, you know, uh, his most uh, august, benevolent, uh, legendary, celestial majesty, etc., whatever, whatever it is, uh, what do I keep saying? His most uh, illustrious, noble, august, benevolent, and legendary, celestial majesty, Donaldus Triumphus Augustus Magnus, uh, the first of his name, the chattest of chads, the line of midnight, the, you know, the most alpha of alphas, etc. I mean, I've, I, I've even forgotten it because I don't really talk about Trump much anymore. Um, he genuinely was the best president since Reagan and possibly the best president since Andrew Jackson. But he had several very serious flaws, and one of them was his unwillingness to pull the trigger on people. He, you know, we keep saying, we keep thinking that he was playing 4D chess. He wasn't. Uh, he was desperately trying to avoid being stabbed in the back and in the front by his own cabinet and by military officials. So what do we see as the most likely scenario? Well, we're not going to get a Trump into the White House. Okay, that's just not going to happen. It's not going to be a right-wing dictatorship. It's not. That is not going to be the result. It is almost certainly going to be a left-wing dictatorship of some kind. And that should make Americans very, very afraid. Because uh, the kinds of people who become dictators of that type are the Hitlers and the Pol Pots and the Mao Zedongs and the Stalins of this world. Now, we have to factor in one additional dynamic, which those countries, those civilizations did not have. And that is the prevalence of firearms and guns in American society. In America, in the red states, the people are not, well, they are afraid of the government to some extent, but they're not that afraid, which is why in Texas and in Florida and Tennessee and Oklahoma and to some extent Ohio, though not really, um, uh, and, well, sorry, not Ohio, uh, Utah, Ohio is another good example, but Utah is a very red state ruled by very blue people, which is idiotic, but there you go. Uh, there is not so much of a, a, a belief that, you know, Washington matters, though the opinions of Washington don't really matter. Whereas in the blue states, they matter very much. So what you're likely to get is an increasingly polarized and fractured country. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a country that is really tearing itself into into two, at least two very, very hostile camps. One is the sort of heartland of America, which is where 
Trump land is, the, the vast expanses of Trump land. And the other is the Clinton archipelago, the, the coastal elites, the urban elites. These are where you're going to find the power base for a left-wing dictatorship. Who is that left-wing dictator going to be? I don't know. I really don't know. I suspect, however, given the machinations we've got going on right now in the Democrat Party, it's going to be Obama. And here's why. Look at the clip of Joe Biden at that uh, White House do where he was there celebrating the Affordable Care Act, you know, Obamacare. And he invited uh, Odumas back to, you know, to, to hobnob. Not one single person paid attention to the president of the United States. The, the, well, the fake president of the United States. Joe Biden is not legitimate at all. There's nothing legitimate about that election in 2020. But Obama was there and everyone was flocking to him. And it was really obvious that Biden was just being sidelined and shunted away and nobody wanted to talk to him. He was... It was really, really painful to watch. I mean, it was elder abuse of the worst kind. But it's very clear that Obama, in, in that one situation, was angling to establish his sort of coterie of people, which will form the power base for whoever he chooses to become the next president. He is, he is looking to become the next kingmaker of the Democrat Party, just like Bill Clinton was before him. And the Democrats are now being ripped apart uh, along two axes, the very progressive axis that Obama and, to a much greater extent, Sandy Cortez, uh, Alexandria, Alexandria Occasional Cortex uh, represents, right? And the sort of more the less crazy wing. I mean, they're all nuts, but it's a less crazy, less extremist wing uh, made up of so-called moderate Democrats. They're still all a bunch of incompetent, lying scumbags and, and shitheels, every single one of them, because they're Democrats. But there's they're less scummy than the people trying to drag the United States into war. Obama is likely to install somebody like Cam Kamala, 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 however the hell you pronounce her name. She's not even American. I mean, she's Canadian. She was born, in, well, she was raised in Canada. She's American maybe by birth, but she was raised in Canada, just like Ted Cruz, um, by the way. So she's, she is as insincere and as fake as they come. But Obama is going to be the man behind the throne, the, the power behind the throne, the, the Svengali who will rule over the United States by proxy. And at some point, my guess is the pretense is going to drop entirely. And he's going to come outright and just try to amend the Constitution so that he can serve a third term. But, you know, look, the Constitution at this point is toilet paper. I mean, I'm sorry to say this because I revere the document, but it's the truth. The Constitution in America is effectively toilet paper. So what you're going to get is an unchained, unbound Obama or some version of that as a proxy. And there will be no point in having elections because the elections won't matter. There is no such thing as a free and fair election at the federal level in the United States anymore. We know that, right? We know that the Democrats are going to suffer an absolute bloodbath in the midterms in 2022. 
they may well look at that and say, now, how does that con does that contradict what I just said about how there are no free and fair elections? No, it doesn't, because that's not an election for the president. We've seen how elections for the president can be corrupted, and they have been corrupted. Uh, the 1960 election for JFK was one very good example, and the, two, the 2020 election for Trump was another. And we are almost certainly going to see another attempt to corrupt the electoral process in 2024. If Trump runs again, uh, it will be extremely unlikely that he, he will be you know, allowed to win. I, I seriously doubt that it will come anywhere close to that. So once the, uh, the true scale of the Democrat defeat and humiliation becomes clear in 2022, Biden will be shunted aside. Kamala Kamala whatever the hell her name is, Camel Toad, will be installed or some proxy will be installed. But, you know, nobody likes, uh, nobody likes Camel Toad at all. She has no power base of her own. She's entirely dependent upon Obama and his good graces. He will then become the center of gravity for the entire Democrat Party. And he will rule by proxy. And eventually, given what a narcissist he is, given what an insufferable... Uh, self-absorbed, arrogant jackass he really is. I have no doubt that he will make overt moves to have the Constitution changed or just will try to rule by decree somehow and you will then be faced with what will effectively be a left-wing dictatorship. So you're going to get a Hitler or a Stalin or a Pol Pot the one effective check on that will be the Second Amendment. And the result will probably be the breakup of the United States, the secession of Florida. If DeSantis is still governor by 2024, I think there's pretty good odds that Texas and Florida will secede entirely. We'll just break away and say, that's it, we're done. Um, I think a number of red states will follow suit. And I think there will be the mother of all civil wars taking place on the territory of the United States. And it will be, you know, it, it will make the Spanish Civil War look like a mild disagreement over tea flavorings by comparison. I mean, seriously, this is going to be a war unlike anything we've ever seen. I mean, the Russian Civil War wasn't as bad as the, the Second American Civil War would be. Because you're talking about tearing apart at the county and district level entire cities and townships and villages. That's how deeply intermingled people are in the United States. It's not possible to separate counties into just red and blue. Most of them are actually purple to some degree or another. Um, particularly, you know, in the sort of the suburban and uh, exurban belts around the big cities. This is... I mean, I can't even begin to describe how horrific it's going to be because whatever I say isn't going to be anything like close to the truth. The result of that will probably be the destruction of uh, the United States as a contiguous you know, political entity. I expect the U.S. to split up into two and as many as four different um, countries. I don't know what's going to happen to Alaska and Hawaii. I mean, Alaska might become part of Canada. I don't know. 
Uh, Hawaii will probably just say, well, screw all you white people, get off our island. Then again, Hawaii's economy is massively dependent upon the government anyway, so it's like, what are they going to do? They, they got nothing. But the who is going to be the dictator? I think it's going to be Obama in some form, or at least he's. if he is not the dictator, then it's going to be some uh, proxy of his that he installs. But I believe he is going to be the new power center of the Democrat Party. I think Clinton's day is done. I think Hillary Clinton is is gone. I mean, she has she is a three-time loser at this point. Uh she is just awful. Awful, awful, awful in every way. Um her record of failure is too severe to be contemplated. Bill Clinton, if you've looked at him recently, I mean, he looks like an AIDS patient. Seriously. The guy looks like he's suffering from some really horrific disease. And by the way, Obama himself has aged dramatically in, um, in the last few years. If you look at uh, Obama, how old is that guy? Obama is what? Uh, Barack Obama is, he's not that old. Um, he is, uh, what, so that's, he's basically not even 61 yet. He's, he's relatively young, actually. My father is, is much older than Obama is, and Obama looks worse than my dad does. My dad doesn't exercise, doesn't, you know, doesn't get out of the house, doesn't really do much of anything. And Obama looks worse than he does, and he's a generation younger. So, you know, I'm, I'm not impressed by the, the state of the Democrat Party, but we're probably looking at Barack Hussein or dumbass being that dictatorial power if not the dictator outright and after that we're probably looking at a serious very scary civil war so i hope that answers the question uh, i know it was a kind of a long rambling answer but uh, this is actually shorter than some of the other domain queries i've done so that i think explains all of my thoughts on the subject uh look forward to your feedback and uh, hopefully you know if this is uh, if this is of use then uh, keep the domain queries coming. I'm happy to answer questions. I've got a bit more time nowadays, which is nice, believe me. And uh, yeah, I will talk to you guys later on the next Didactic Mind podcast, whenever that is, which actually I know when it'll be. It'll be on Sunday because that's uh, Easter. Okay, uh, this is Didact signing off.